0: You need to know your students, first of all, and figure out, are they old enough to be playing with dough? I don't think children who are two years old should be handling dough without one-on-one supervision, right? These children are still teething in some cases. They're still, you know, they're still cutting their teeth. They're still learning how the whole world works. And so why wouldn't they put it in their mouth? So let's be mindful of the ages and the ability levels of our students. And if they're the types of children who are still mouthing things, who are still tasting things in their environment... Then maybe Plato is not the right choice for you. You're listening to Elevating Early Childhood, where we believe in leveling the playing field and bridging the gap between the world of preschool, pre-K, and K-12 education. I'm your host, Vanessa Levin, and I went from a pre-K teacher of 20 years to a passionate advocate for high-quality early childhood education. I truly believe that the work you do, yes, you as an early childhood professional, is absolutely crucial, not just for your students, but society as a whole. I believe that you deserve to have the tools and training that you need to do your job well, so you can really embody your role as a professional educator and your students can achieve their true potential. Listen in each week as I bring you real conversations with me and other early childhood teachers and experts where our mission is to guide you on your journey to becoming the most well-equipped and highly trained professional educator you can possibly be, all while helping you teach smarter, not harder, so you can live more. And there might even be a little humor thrown in here and there just to keep things light and fun. If you'd like to get started upping your early literacy game today, check out my book, Teach Smarter, Literacy Strategies for Early Childhood Teachers on Amazon. Listen, every early childhood teacher out there knows that there's that one magical thing you can offer your preschoolers that will keep them engaged and on task for longer than just a few minutes. It's that thing that kids love and that teachers and parents may have a love-hate relationship with. It can be messy and it may even cause you headaches, but you still put it out because you know how much your kids love it. And that thing, my friends is Play-Doh. In today's episode of Elevating Early Childhood, I'll be sharing my top five Play-Doh tools you can't live without, as well as my best tips and my number one favorite Play-Doh recipe. So first things first, let's talk about the area you have for Play-Doh in your classroom or home. And there are a number of different ways that you can set up and organize this area. Some are more effective than others. (laughs) Now, you could just throw some of those cans of store-bought Play-Doh into a dish tub along with all the accessories and call it a day. But then you'll end up with frustrated kids because they can't find the cans of dough or the accessories they need when they need them. And what do we know about kids who are frustrated because they can't find what they want? they bounce right out of that center or area. So the alternative is to have a basket or a tub for uh, the accessories. So for example, you might have a tub that has just the alphabet dough stampers. Then you might have another tub that has just the cookie cutters. And you might have another tub that has just the rolling pins, right? So that way everything is displayed with a label on the end and a label on the shelf or the area that you have so that kids can find exactly what they need when they need it and they can put it back where it belongs when they're done with it. And in case you're wondering where to put these tubs, well, they can be located somewhere near your dedicated Play-Doh area. So some people have a Play-Doh center, meaning a dedicated actual area just for playing with dough. Other people will have it in their art center or in their wet-dry area near the easel, whatever works best for you. But finding a place for those things will really help increase engagement and time on task in the Play-Doh area. Now, personally, I prefer to use a countertop in the classroom, if available. I know not everyone has that scenario. I was lucky to have that situation a couple of different times throughout my career, and I just noticed, based on the times when I only had tables, that it really helped increase student engagement to have students standing at a low counter, one that they can reach easily, right, Uh, because they tend to stand up. And play with dough, even if you have it at a table where there are chairs, because it's a better angle for which they can push on cookie cutters and roll with rolling pins and manipulate the dough. It's much easier for them if they do it on this uh, flat countertop without chairs. Now, they can still use Play Doh with chairs at a table, but I just find they naturally stand up anyway and the chairs end up getting in the way. So I just prefer that scenario if I have that option available to me in my classroom, because I've seen it work time and time again with different classrooms that I've been in over the years. And if you need labels, we have some in our shop, and I'll put the link in the video description below. And if you're listening along, just go to prekpages.com and type in classroom labels, and they should pop up. Now let's move on to the type of Play-Doh. We're going to get to the benefits of different types of Play-Doh shortly. But first, let's just talk about that crumbly Play-Doh, right? That makes your kids just drop everything and leave that area and go somewhere else, right? If you're not getting that engagement from your kids, you're not getting that um, excitement about going to play with the Play-Doh anymore, Um, Look at your Play-Doh and make sure that it's not crumbly, it's not dried out, that it takes shape easily when children are trying to make creations with it. So one of the ways that I combat that is by making my own dough. So I created this uh, printable Play-Doh recipe for you that you can print out uh, on the blog at Pre-K Pages. And this way you can have my foolproof (laughs) um, Play-Doh recipe that you can use to make your own Play-Doh at home or send it home with parents. If you have um, involved parents, send the recipe home and have them make it and send it to school. And we'll talk about troubleshooting tips for making Play-Doh in a bit, but this freebie will be linked if you're watching along in the show notes below or go to prekpages.com and type homemade Play-Doh recipe into the search box. I printed it out on black and white because I'm cheap with my ink. (laughs) Even though I have an instant ink subscription, you can't take a teacher out of the classroom. (laughs) There's always going to be that part of me that says I might run out of ink someday. Uh, but you can print it in color if you prefer. This is the very best homemade Play-Doh recipe that I have used personally in my own classroom with great success for many years. So now let's take a look at my top five Play-Doh accessories that you can't live without. So starting with the dough scissors in no particular order, I will do my best to not only show them on the screen for our viewers, but describe them for our listeners. These are dough scissors and dough scissors are completely plastic without metal blades. So they don't cut anything except the dough. And so if you see on the screen, I am cutting a little snake, as I like to call them, of Play-Doh. And so I teach my kids how to do that right away in the beginning of the year. And a lot of times they end up making like soup or stew or some kind of food with those little cuttings that they made. So first I have them roll the dough into a snake and then they use the dough scissors to cut them. So these obviously are great for fine motor skills, right? These are kind of a precursor to ever cutting with paper. I also think that it gives them a little familiarity as to what scissors are and how they work before I actually move into the whole cutting paper thing. So um, that is one of my tools that I couldn't live without in Play-Doh because they just love using those. And next up, I have my rolling pins. Now I have a whole set of these. They're completely wood. And they have different um, grooves in the wood. You can see the one I'm holding here has just a a groove every like half inch or so. And when kids are using these types of rolling pins, you can see here, um, it makes a little design in the dough. And so I'm going top to bottom, but I can also go left to right, and it makes another impression. It kind of looks like a waffle. Um, But I have a selection of these types of rolling pins available um, in a tub in my Play-Doh area every day. And in my fine motor episode, we talked about how rolling pins like this actually exercises the palmar arch in their hands, which is a fine motor skill. So this next thing is probably a no-brainer for a lot of you, and that is cookie cutters, right? No Play-Doh Center would be complete without cookie cutters. So obviously they're gonna roll the dough and that's an excuse to use the rolling pin, right? And then they can stick the cookie cutters in and make the shapes and, of course, push the shapes out. That's a given. That's a no-brainer, right? Um, But one thing I like to do to increase engagement is I have a few uh, cookie cutters, you know, just one tub of basic cookie cutters out all year, and that stays the same. But for every different unit of study that we do, I get out specific cookie cutters for that theme. So for example, winter theme, I would get out the snowman, right? Um, so I have certain ones that only come out at certain times of the year, and then I just highlight them. The week that I put them out, I'll say, oh, and we have some snowman cookie cutters at the in the Play-Doh area this week. Um, This is a car. I might keep this one out all year. But any that pertain to certain times of the year, seasons or holidays or whatever, or themes, I will put them out and then just highlight them to the children. And you wouldn't believe how all of a sudden the Play-Doh Center has become the most popular once again. Next up, we have Play-Doh stampers. So Play-Doh stampers are... One of the things that I could not live without in my preschool classroom, this particular set obviously is from Lakeshore Learning here in the States. And all you do, the kids grab it by the handle, push it into the dough, right? And then it makes an impression. And so what I like to have them do is um, stamp their names, stamp names of their friends, things like that. And so I have these in a bin. Um, They do make a kind of a a stand for them, but it's extremely pricey. It costs more than the dough. Uh, But these are my favorite. Now, other companies have started making similar versions. Colorations now has a set that's very comparable with much shorter handles. The only downside to these is they do make a lot of noise when kids are digging for the one they want, which is why a sorter is always helpful. We have a link in the show notes to these if you're watching watching along and type Play-Doh Center into the search box at Pre-K Pages if you want to see the blog post with all these links in it. So next up, we have just some basic dough tools. Uh, I like to call this one the roller. (laughs) And obviously it just rolls things flat. It's kind of like a paint roller. And so I call it a dough roller instead of a rolling pin. This is a pizza cutter because we know that all young children like to make pizza when they're in the Play-Doh Center. And so this little gadget here is just a pizza wheel or a dough cutter, if you will. They can make um, pizza and cut things. They love this. And this um, tool here that I'm holding in my hand is a back tool that I got at the Dollar Tree. And I don't know exactly what it's called. It's purple and it has this little... Um it's just like the roller, looks like a steamroller, right? Only they have it has little bumps on the rolling part. And when you put it in play-doh, it makes these really cool, like like you're aerating the grass, right? Little holes all over. They absolutely love this one. It was only a buck, so you can get a couple of them. Uh, and it's in there probably in their personal care area. So that's the Back roller from the Dollar Tree, and then just general dough, dough tools from any type of dough, dough tool set. Say that three times fast or five times fast. And then we've got the little roller that looks like a steamroller here. Next up are dough extruders. And if you haven't heard of these babies, you are missing out. You put a little blob of Play Doh inside, and then you push down the plunger. It's like a thing you give people shots with. And then you just push. So think of the Play-Doh barbershop, right? When you push on the head of the guy in the barber's chair, it's exactly what these do. And so I usually try to get my kids to cut it with the dough scissors after this. They they like to make hair for creations, octopus, whatever it is, Um, but dough extruders. And we have a link to all of these things that I've just talked about, my top five. Um, in the show notes for those of you watching along as well. And one other thing I forgot to show you um, in my play-doh tray that I have here are these bunny ears. And so those of you who um, dye eggs for the holiday Easter, you might recognize these. And these are basically um, like the dough scissors, only there for grasping an egg, right? They come free with the egg dyeing kits and I have a bunch left over. So one of the things I have my kids do is make balls because again, rolling a ball, as I talked about in my fine motor episode is great for those Palmer arches as well. Um, But they make balls and they transfer them into like meatball soup or when they're cooking or whatever with the dough. And so they love these. Again, these are basically um, the same design as the dough scissors, only they have like spoons at the end instead of a cutting tool. So they make balls and they stack them up and make soup and things like that. So these are all my basic tools, but I did want to mention the Play-Doh trays. Remember we were talking about um, organizing things in tubs, but if you are short on space, you can have some of your Play-Doh things arranged like this on a chip and dip tray. That's basically what this is. These come from the Dollar Tree. They change their colors seasonally, um, but they pretty much always have some in various colors. I have them in like every color, but you can just change out the dough that you keep in the center here. That's where the dip would go in the dip tray, right? And so you can put a big ball of dough there, or you can put little balls, whatever you prefer, and then um, just arrange everything around the end. And then this can go in the top of a tall cabinet or some kind of countertop that you have. um, So you don't need like Any bins or anything like that. And next up, I wanted to show you some of the accessories that I sometimes put out, almost like toppings on ice cream, right? Uh, Sometimes I'll add wiggly eyes to the Play Doh Center so they can make little people or creatures or whatever it is, and they can add eyes. So I have Tons and tons of wiggly eyes. Um, Sometimes they like to add uh, pipe cleaners to make arms and legs for little people that they create or antennas on a caterpillar or whatever creation they have. Robots, they've made robots, arms and legs for them. And of course, craft sticks. These are always great um, when you're using Play-Doh because kids can create fences and they can create playgrounds and all sorts of things using the popsicle sticks or craft sticks. These just happen to be colored, but I would probably prefer to use these uncolored ones with this because you never know how this ink on the colored craft sticks is going to react with the dough. You never know, right? Better safe than sorry. Another thing that everybody asks is how do you get the vibrant colors of Play-Doh, right? So if you make a regular batch of Play-Doh and you use just regular food coloring, the color of the dough can be not as Deep or as rich as you would like the color to be, and so that's where um, watercolors, liquid watercolors, I mean, come into play. Now these aren't the watercolors that you use at your easel for your kids to paint watercolors with. These are designed specifically to color items, right? To color things, and specifically Play-Doh works really well for that. So adding the different types of liquid watercolor, there is a link in the show notes to the watercolor that I like. This brand is my favorite. It's called Sergeant Art. I love the colors. I understand that Discount School Supply also has a brand that's highly popular, but this is my favorite brand. You can even get them, this this particular one, I was doing something, I was making something gold recently, and so this is sparkly gold. So they even have some that have um, like glitter in them already, and you just mix it into your Play-Doh using that recipe instead of the food coloring. So there are lots of different ways to color dough. This is just the one that gets the most rich color and the one that people ask me about most often. Ready to get individual help applying teaching best practices in your classroom from qualified mentors? Check out our incredible professional development resource and support program exclusively for early childhood educators at teachingtrailblazers.com. So let's move on to the troubleshooting tips, shall we? Now, it may not seem like something I would get a lot of questions about, but I get a lot of questions about Play-Doh, especially from new teachers. And so... One of the most frequently asked questions is, what if I get it on the floor in my classroom? Now, my answer for at home versus classroom are two entirely different answers. In the classroom, I call it the cost of doing kid business. So if your school, whether it's a private entity, public school, whatever, if they put you in a classroom designed for children, young children, I would think that they would understand or be aware of the risk that Play-Doh might get on the floor. I'm not going to spend my entire life policing the Play-Doh and making sure that it stays on the table, but I can do a few preventative things, right? My straight answer to that is it's the cost of doing kid business and it's to be expected in the early childhood classroom. And then the second part of that answer is to teach the children how to keep it in trays. I like to use those rectangular trays I just showed you on the screen a moment ago. They're just rectangular trays. People always ask me where I get them. They came from the Target dollar spot. I have seen very similar at Michael's, um, which is an art supply store, or you can also find them online under the brand name. And I think that brand name is Creatology. I'm not sure. Easy to find, easy to source. You can teach them to keep the dough in the tray. You can have individual trays for each student. Um, You can put something on the floor. I find that usually causes a tripping hazard. And if you're at home, you can make sure that your child only uses the Play-Doh in a tiled area of your house or outdoors. Next up is the most controversial question, I think, and that is, what if... I don't think I can make Play-Doh because I'm quote unquote, not a good cook. (laughs) Or what if I uh, don't have time to make Play-Doh? Those kind of go together. So first of all, I want to say to those people who aren't good cooks, I hear you. I'm with you all about that because I am a terrible cook. But guess what? The Play-Doh recipe is so stinking easy and nobody has to taste it. So it's super easy to make. You just have to follow all of the instructions to a T. And the other part of that is, um, I don't have money to buy it or it's too expensive to make anything like that. If you have the time to go to the store and buy it, then you have time to make it right. Because it takes less time to make it at home than it does to go to the store and buy it. And then as far as the money goes, um, it costs too much money to buy Play-Doh. Yes, I would agree it's cheaper to make your own, Um, but your time is also money, right? So the time that you spend making it is also money. So that's how it ends up being cheaper, okay? Just trust me on this. It's infinitely better than store-bought dough. Store-bought dough will crumble and dry out and cake up really quickly compared to the type that you make at home. The other question I get a lot is, what if I don't have any space in my classroom for a whole Play-Doh area? And my answer is simple that's okay, right? That's okay. You can totally use the tray that I just showed or trays similar to that or trays plural and stack them up at the end. Um, You don't have to make a ton of space if you don't have it, but also don't forget you can incorporate it into your art center or your wet and dry area or whatever um, time or areas of your classroom that you have. It doesn't have to be a full-blown quote-unquote center. And the last question is what if they eat it? Well, my response to that is, if children are eating dough, you need to know your students, first of all, and figure out, are they old enough to be playing with dough? I don't think children who are two years old should be handling dough without one-on-one supervision, right? These children are still teething in some cases. They're still, you know, they're still cutting their teeth. They're still learning how the whole world works. And so why wouldn't they put it in their mouth? So let's be mindful of the ages and the ability levels of our students. And if they're the types of children who are still mouthing things who are still tasting things in their environment, then maybe Play-Doh is not the right choice for you. Maybe editable, edit, edible, (laughs) try to say that one too. Edible meaning eating. Um, If you make those kinds of doughs, maybe then it would be okay. I don't know you and your situation. So I want you to use your best judgment for your particular situation. And lastly, what if they mix the colors of Play-Doh? And what I say to that is, I have a question for you. Who cares? Really? The kids don't care. They're the ones who mixed it in the first place, right? And if they do complain, then you say, Well, what did we learn from this experience? Don't mix the dough if you don't like the results, right? Um, it's not about you and your uh, need for control over situations or your need to have everything in perfect rainbow order. That's not what being a teacher is all about, right? So get over it. That's my response. Sorry, probably not a popular one, but it's true. So there you have it. Those are my top five must-haves that you can't live without in your Play-Doh Center, as well as my favorite recipe for Play-Doh and some troubleshooting tips. I hope that you got some information that you can take back and use in your classroom right away. If you like this episode or any of our others, please consider uh, liking this YouTube channel or leaving us a review on iTunes. Until next time, I'm Vanessa Levin, onward and upward. If you love what you've learned in this episode, you've got to come check out the Teaching Trailblazers program. Teaching Trailblazers is the place for teachers like you to get the professional development, resources, and support you need to thrive. It's where you can learn relevant, life-changing best practices with professional development created specifically around the challenges early childhood teachers face. It's where you can get access to a complete research-based pre-K curriculum that you can use to supplement your existing curricula, or you use on its own to get 100% of your students kindergarten ready by the end of the year. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things early childhood with other teachers just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will rock your teacher world. I guarantee it. Come join us at teachingtrailblazers.com to get more information and apply. That's teachingtrailblazers.com. I can't wait to see you there.